0: have a few things I wanted to share with you. At camp, I had a couple sessions where I just talked to the adults. Didn't need to, they know everything I'm going to say anyway. Most of the things I say, you know, it's common sense. And y'all got common sense, don't you? Don't you have common sense? Uh, a couple of you do anyway, have some common sense. One guy said, you know, common sense isn't too common anymore. But I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter in chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 is stuck right between some chapters that deals with suffering. It's suffering before, it's suffering after. It talks about the trial of your faith. And then chapter 4, thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing has happened unto you. And then chapter 3 talks about marriage. You think it's just a coincidence? Of all the illustrations that God, the creator of heaven and earth, could have used. He talks about marriage. And the example of suffering about Christ in chapter 2. He says in chapter 3 about suffering. Because I don't know, if if you're not married, you, you don't know this experience. You don't know what it's like to have to give up some of what you want to do for that mate of yours. You don't know anything about the adjustments that has to be made. And the surrendering of wills and raising of children. You poor thing. You haven't learned how to suffer. There's great rewards to those. Who suffer for the Lord. So, chapter 3 is a very interesting chapter, but we're not covering the whole chapter. Just part of the chapter. Just the part that talks about the man. You don't want to know about the woman anyway. We'll talk about that another time, another place in the kingdom when she gets her glorified body. It'd be a lot easier to cover then. Chapter 3 makes a statement there in verse 7. Look in verse 7. And it says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Now, the, the, them is the wives. According to knowledge. Now, they're right there. There's a problem. You know it and I know it. Trying to understand that little creature that God made. And then created in us the desire to want one of those little creatures. Now, we didn't ask to be this way. God made us like this. And that when a man is born of a woman, and then it talks about troubles like arrows shoot upward, it was a warning about the women that you're going to meet in your life. It's one of the most wonderful things. We can't live without them, and then we find out sometimes you can't live with them, and it's a very confusing thing. But I'm convinced that in our country, so much hinges upon that little relationship between that man and that woman and how they can get along. You see with government, there's things about dependence and independence, where the government is supposed to be dependent upon us for its existence. Now it's almost like we are dependent upon government for our existence. And so we've raised generations of people that look to the government instead of looking to God. We're more dependent upon government. And government takes everything we have. It's not supposed to be that way. And then when you come on down a little bit further to the church, the church is supposed to be dependent upon God. He is the head, we're the body. The body's dependent upon the head. But we have people that don't want to depend upon the Lord. Churches today, many do not even go by the Bible. They're not dependent upon this book. They have been so influenced by the world, they use the world's wisdom to determine the direction of a church. Instead of what does the Word of God say? In many churches, nobody even uses the Bible anymore. Here we, we do, because we believe that we're dependent upon the Word of God. And whenever you get to the, the family there's still that same problem about dependence and independence. You see, as a family, we're supposed to depend upon the Lord for everything we need. And the wife and the children are dependent upon the man to be the right leaders that they ought to be. But sometimes whenever the man doesn't depend upon God, the woman doesn't want to depend upon the man because she loses that sense of security because she doesn't know how it's all going to work out. We're destroying our homes today. They found out that marriage is the biggest culprit for divorce. <laughs> but here in the book of First Peter, get what he says. Likewise, ye husband, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that ye're." and you ought to underline this in your Bible, prayers be not hindered. Finally, be you all of one mind. They should actually think the same way. That's why when you see some people that has been together for 50 years, it seems like they think the same way. He says here in verse 8, Finally, be of all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Do you realize that maybe there's not a verse that says, Wives, love your husband. But there's a verse that says, Love as brethren. I'm supposed to love my wife as so my wife is a child of God. She is in the family of God. She's God's child. And I'm supposed to love my wife and treat my wife as a child of God. Do You know, I, I wouldn't mess around with God's children and mistreat God's children. I'm supposed to love my wife and honor my wife. That's, that's what the book says. So for me to serve the Lord, I have to do that. You see, that's part of it. It's not excluded from that it's so important because I, I see so many kids that come from broken homes and they don't know what it's like to have a dad that really loves them or a mother that really loves them you know one of the things that says in the book of um, Luke about John the Baptist uh, that whenever he came preaching he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children where parents love the kids and want the best for their kids Today, there's fathers that don't even know who their kids are. There's women that have had babies out of wedlock and might not even know who their daddy is. See, that's not the will of God. That's a disgrace. used to be a shame. Not anymore. But with the Lord, they're still right and they're still wrong. And so he made the statement here, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. It means full of pity. Not rendering evil for evil. In other words, if your wife says or does something wrong, that's not justification for the man to say and do something wrong. He's supposed to set the example. He's still got to do right. And I see a lot of times that that's that's not the case. As it says in the book of Hebrews, rendering evil for evil. Do me wrong, do you wrong back. Hurt me, I hurt you back. Wouldn't it be neat if, if all husbands and wives loved each other and was that little bit of heaven on earth? that the kids could see and understand and believe it. And they'd want to have a a marriage like they see mom and dad have. I remember talking to some kids on marriage. I'd set them in the office and I'd say, well, let me ask you a question. I says, when you get married, do you want to have a Christian home? Oh, yes. I says, do you have any examples of anybody that you've seen that has a Christian home like you want? And you'd be surprised how many of them have bowed their heads, and even got tears in their eyes, and says, no, they've not seen a home like they want. They wanted something different than what they've seen or what they've come from. You see, they should want one just like ours. You see, that that little daughter, she should want to marry a man that's like her daddy. And that little boy, he, he should want to marry a woman that's kind of like his mom, because there's such a bond there. The way it should be. See that—that's the ideal. That's the way God meant it to be, but because of sin, it disrupts and does so much. But the Lord tells us that love covers a multitude of sins, and it's—it's it's time for the men to love them so much that it covers over, and you can be patient and kind and not be mean and bitter and cantankerous. Back. It makes a statement, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that. Ye are therefore called that ye should inherit a blessing for he that will enjoy life or love life. And see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. Let him hate evil, shun it, and let him pursue peace. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous in his ears, are open unto their prayers. So there's good scripture that tells us the way that God wants it. And I wished it was always that away, way but sometimes it just doesn't happen that way Did you know that if God had a refrigerator, he'd probably have your picture on it. You ever walk into somebody's house and you look at the pictures and they got them all over the refrigerator? Not just anybody's picture. These are usually family pictures or somebody that means a lot to them, you know. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring. He sends you a sunrise every morning. Because God does consider you to be special to him. It means a lot. But sometimes we get going through life so fast, so busy, we never have time to stop and think. Do you know why that they came to the Red Sea and boom, God hit him with a brick. An impossibility. Hit him right upside the head. There was a young man that had just bought him a brand new Jaguar. And he was riding down the street, but there was kids playing inside the street, so he was going slow enough and being very careful. And so when he finally got through some of the kids, he went a little bit further and started to pick up a little bit of the speed. And all of a sudden, this brick came out of nowhere and dented his car. Stopped and backed up a little bit, got out and went up to the little boy. He says, Son, what in the world do you think you're doing? Do you realize what you just did? And the little boy started to crying. He says, Mister, I'm so sorry. He said, but it was the only way I could get you to stop. He says, my, my brother, he fell off the curb in this wheelchair and I can't get him up. And he says, I couldn't get nobody to stop. Nobody would help me. And so the man went back there and he saw that boy laying there in the street. And he helped him get him up. Brushed off the skint marks and saw that he'd be all right. Put him back in his wheelchair and the little boy says, "Thanks, Mister. God bless you." And he pushed his brother down the sidewalk. Sometimes you get to going so fast, God sends you a crisis. How long's it been since you had a crisis? You ever see some things are just rolling along real smooth, no problem, everything's wonderful, nothing. A crisis hit. And instead of going to bed at 11 o'clock, you're up at one o'clock talking to your wife or your kid trying to figure out how to solve a problem, or brings tears to your eyes and you think everything is lost and everything is hopeless. Because sometimes we don't stop and think, and God has to send a crisis into our life just to get us to talk to him. And you can get in a habit of just living your life. And sometimes God, in order to get husband and wife from, "ha, this," will bring a crisis into your life to get y'all to talk to one another. Because, see, God's got to give you a common denominator so he can get you to work together. Because there's something that's more important than all the bickering and so forth that goes on in a person's life. Well, there was this one man. He, he thought his wife was losing her hearing. So he went to the doctor. He said, Doc, I think my wife's losing her hearing. He said, What can, what can I do? Hey, how can I find it for sure? He said, Well, a simple test. He said, Get about 40 feet away from her. When she's fixing up in the kitchen, just get about 40 feet away and then say, what are we having for supper? And then get about 10 feet and then do it again and another 10 feet until you can, you know, she answered. Then you have an idea. Said, okay. So he walked in the house and got about 40 feet away from and Says, what are we having for dinner? She didn't respond. He got about 30 feet. What are we having for dinner? No response. 20 feet, 10 feet. Finally, right, right up behind her. And says, what are we having for dinner? She said, I've told you five times, Yankee. (laughs) We're having chicken. When it comes to communication, sometimes we don't always communicate. And then when we do communicate, it's sometimes the wrong communication. See, the Bible says, let no evil communication proceed out of your mouth. So some people communicate, but it's the wrong kind. So take your Bible and look there in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 29. Where it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That probably means everybody except your husband and wife. You think it would include them too? I think it includes husband and wife. So I do believe that if there's no evil communication. Where you're not angry and bitter, saying hurtful, mean, cutting things, I, I believe that it would probably heal better. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 15, in verse 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. But some people, they antagonize. That's not a spiritual thing. You see there in this verse, look there in verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you Is to teach you and help you. And how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By doing things like verse 31. Where it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Because it makes him mad. It upsets the Holy Spirit. It grieves him. Did you know the things that you say to one another can grieve the one you say you love. But I've seen people that have lived together for years. And then when the kids are gone, they look across the table and say, who are you? You know, he's busy working. She's taking care of the kids. They lack communication. And lo, lo and behold, a day comes when they've got to face each other and says, no. You're my wife, right? You see, there was this time where, um, outside of England called Bristol Zoo. A parking lot that would hold about 150 cars and, and hold about eight buses. For 25 years, its parking fees were managed by a very pleasant individual. And he charged the uh, cars $1.40 each and buses $7. And he did that for 25 years. And then he didn't show up for work. Well, the zoo people, they contacted City Hall. And says, y'all need to send us another man to take care of the parking lot. City Hall says he works for the zoo. The zoo says he didn't work for us. Twenty-five years ago, this man went to this lot and set him up a little booth and started collecting fees. Nobody ever knew his name. And he collected a lot of money. He collected approximately $560 a day. For 25 years. It totaled up to about 7 million dollars. And nobody knows his name. He's somewhere in Italy or France or Brazil. Sitting on the beach. Sipping his lemonade. And nobody knows who he was. Did you know you can live with somebody for 25 years? Never even know who they are. I've had people that I've talked to and. They say, Yankee, I know your motive. I know why you did this, and I know why you did that, and I know why you did that. And I'll have to look at him and say this with all the sincerity of my heart. You don't know me. You see me, but you don't know me. I wouldn't do what you're thinking. And what you say is my motive, isn't my motive. You think you know me, but you don't know me. There's people who have trusted Christ as their Savior. They have eternal life. They're going to heaven when they die. And many... Do not know their father. They spend no time with him. They really don't know him. If you go to bed every night worrying. Fretting, and You don't pray. You don't know your dad. You don't know him. You don't really know what he's like. That's why when you read the first John. So much deals with the fellowship between you. And your heavenly father. And he says. You don't know me. You don't know me. To know him. Is to love him. And if you don't love him. You don't know him. And if you love him. You will serve him. And that's why he says. How can you say you love me whom you have not seen. And you cannot love others. Whom you do see. So there's a lot of these things that people need to understand. I wanted to read this to you. Because each little story kind of gives you an Insight. And something that might be going on in your own life, your own marriage. Because don't take it lightly. Your marriage is very important to God. Now, let me just throw this to you. We often make the statement that marriage is a commitment. It is a commitment. But commitment to what? You see, when you study the Word of God and you know the role of the husband and the role of the wife, so the woman needs to know the Word of God so she'll know the role of her responsibilities. And the man studies the Word of God so he knows his responsibilities. What kind of a husband is he going to be? What kind of a wife is she going to be? So a man and a woman, when they get married, they're committing themselves to fulfill those responsibilities. His as a husband and a father. Hers As a wife and a mother. And they commit themselves to those roles. That position that God's given. So whenever they get married. She knows her responsibility. He knows his. And he made a promise. A vow. A commitment. Unto God to do certain things. And I don't believe that many people understand. That when they got married what they did. If we only knew. We can't go back. We can only go from here forward. A lot of things can never be undone. But I do believe you should look at your marriage, your mate, and say that I am committing myself to my responsibility, to the role of the husband God gave to me. doesn't matter what she does. And she ought to commit herself to that role that God gave. doesn't matter what he does. And fulfill that responsibility. And God will reward you in heaven. And God will bless you. Now, it's wonderful when both submit themselves to the Lord and keep that commitment that they made. And it's not based upon feeling. It's based upon fact. What does God want me to do? And so there are responsibilities. And if I will do what God says do, then I can expect God to bless like he said he would. I am not an expert on marriage. I don't know anybody who is. I've been married over 51 years, so I have an idea what works and what don't work. I've canceled a lot of people. I have a few little ideas here and there. But I know that we're supposed to love each other and care for one another, and we're supposed to keep our word. Now, a Scotman, a Scotchman, he wanted to um, save some money. So we went to see the dentist, and he says, how much for a tooth extraction? He says, $85. Whew, that's a lot of money. He says, can I get it cheaper? He says, well, we could leave off the Novocaine. He says, "Uh, what would I say, $15? Hmm. He said, but it's going to hurt. I said, well, that's that's, all right. Um, What if we had uh, it done by a student instead of you? Could you cut down a little bit because the students need to be trained too? He said, well, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, "What what that cost? He said, I maybe let you do it for forty dollars, but remember now, he's not going to be as professional. But I think we could work that out. He said, All right. He said, Well, why not use it as a training tool and let others come in and they could watch and see and it would be a training for the students. He said, oh, That's a good idea. He said, Well what would that cost? He said, get down to five dollars. He said, Now that that's that he said, Now you're talking, now you're talking. He says, I um I want to confirm an appointment time next week. For my wife. (laughs) Do you sense the compassion? Like as one girl she said to another. She says you know. Boys are all alike. She says boys are all I like too. (laughs) I got a couple things I wanted to say to you. Have you heard anybody today. Trying to change the meaning of the word marriage. It's supposed to include. If. Two women want to get married, or two homosexual men want to get married, and, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. Marriage. But, see, government's not supposed to enter into that arena. That's, that's none of their business. You see, in the beginning, God made the man. God made the woman. God brought them together and says they shall cleave unto each other. God made marriage. Marriage is a Christian word. It's a biblical word. It's a religious term. And government has no right to give it another definition except what's in the Bible. And it's a man and a woman. You can't have a marriage any other way. Nothing else is a marriage. And I don't care if they don't like it or not. God's the one that designed this. So how are you supposed to treat your husband? Just pretend that your husband is the Lord. You say, really? When you married him, he was perfect. Remember that? Oh, he's perfect. He's just what I've been looking for. Well, what what you mean he's not now? Now either if he was then, he still probably is. He's probably the same way. He ain't changed much. And what you used to love about him, you begin to turn against it because here's what usually happens. Boy, girl, I like you. I like you too. I'll give you these flowers. Ooh. And all she has to do is just look in front of the eyes and, hello, big boy. And then these two have conned each other into thinking that they were perfect for each other. And they believe believe that. So they get joined together in holy deadlock. Wedlock. (laughs) So now they're married together. Now, instead of them still, I'll do this for you. Oh, I'll I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. I'll do this to you, and you do this to me. See, it changes. Instead of you want to do and give, now it's receiving. So you're waiting to treat me like a king. Well, before you didn't worry about that. You just treated her like a queen. And you didn't worry about treat me like a queen. You just always, I'm going to treat you like a king. See, the focuses change after a while. See, the devil does that. The devil wants to destroy your home. And he does it by turning things around. But he's so good. He's so deceptive. He does it without you even knowing that it's taken place. You see, like, say, there's the Lord. Are you supposed to love the Lord? Yeah. Are you supposed to submit to the Lord? Well, yes. Are you supposed to just do what, what, what? He's God. Are you supposed to communicate with God? Well, yes. Well, let's just pretend your husband was the Lord. You're supposed to love him, honor Obey. Don't you remember those words? You see, yeah, I've been trying to forget them ever since. <laughs> and then don't you communicate? How in the world did you ever get married? Oh, we never talked. No, you talked. You talked talk. talk all the time. You talked. You shared. And you said this, and she, he said, she said that, and y'all just get along. And everything was just one. We couldn't wait to get together again. And talk, 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 talk. Now you're married. You sit there and watch TV all night. Never talk. And you never do anything together. Why? Because you're bored stiff. Because you've got to have something bigger than yourself, more important than your marriage. And that is the purpose that you have in life. You see, if the guy's going in circles, guess where she's going to go? In circles. Because see, if he doesn't have a destination, she doesn't have a destination. It, well, it doesn't matter. It will matter, it always matters. So the girl should never date a guy she would not consider for marriage. So that's why a girl should always try to find that guy that knows the Lord and loves the Lord and wants to serve the Lord and is serving the Lord. Not a promise he will, but he's doing it. He's what you want. Because what you see might be the best he'll ever be. So whenever the girl gets into the car and the doors are locked and now you're stuck in that marriage, And you didn't think about it before. And then you want to get out of the car. But if you don't know what caused the problem, you'll just simply get out of that car and get into the next one coming down the road. You'll just repeat it again and again and again. Because most people never figure out what causes the problems. So they have no solutions to the problems. I'm saying that it's better to know what God wants you to do and serve the Lord. And commit yourself to him. So marriage, like I said, is a commitment to the role that God has given to a person. And that means that as the man, I committed myself years ago to be the best husband my wife could have ever gotten. I would hate to think that my wife could have come along and found a better husband than I have been. I want to be the best husband my wife could have ever God, I would hate to think that another man could have treated my wife better than what I did. Why? Because I owe it to her. I promise God that. Now, if a man doesn't feel that way about his wife, something's wrong with him. He's not a good catch for the next one if he can't do it with the one he has. That's how he's supposed to love. You say, well, she doesn't love me. I'm not interested in that. You fulfill yours. Most times a woman will respond. Let me give you an illustration. For example, God has made all kinds of animals with different kinds of abilities to defend themselves. There's one kind of animal. It's called a skunk. Now, how does a skunk defend itself? When you get too close or that skunk feels threatened, he has a unique way of spraying with perfume. It stinks to high heaven. That smell, that stinking smell, is to protect the skunk. He can drive away those that may want to do it harm. When you married that little jewel, that little angel, that little sweet thing, and then later on in marriage she becomes this little monster, mean and hateful and ugly and argumentative and yelling and screaming and all that wait a minute why is she doing that now she's just like that skunk that's trying to protect itself it's a defense because a woman doesn't want to be like that but it's a way of driving away as much as possible the attack that the man has already probably previously demonstrated By being mean and ugly and unkind or verbal abuse. Or not fulfilling his God-given responsibilities as the right kind of a husband. And she puts up this barrier because she doesn't want to get hurt anymore. And most men are hurting their marriage. And they don't even know how they're doing it. Because they're not kind and communicating with their wife. And saying words like, I love you and forgive me or I'm sorry. They become strong and dominating and think they can rule with a rod of iron or with a bullwhip and they're mean and ugly and unkind. That's not what God says to do. That's not God's way. God doesn't want it to happen like that. After being married for 40 years, this man, he looks at his wife and he says, Honey, you remember when we got married, we had an old jalopy. We lived in an old run-down house. Slept on the sofa, didn't have much to eat, didn't make much money, but every night I got to go to bed with a 23-year-old chick. She looked at him and she says, "You can still have that 23-year-old chick, and I'll see to it that you have that old jalopy again, and I'll see to it that you still live in that old rundown house, and I'll see that you don't have much to eat." Isn't it wonderful that a woman knows how to? Deal with a man's ego. You see, there's uh, always another side to it. You'd be surprised how many women would love to have a man that really loves them. Because, see, there's certain things that you're supposed to be aware of. One is protection. And so I know that I'm supposed to protect my wife. I'm supposed to protect her against things mentally, how she thinks. I want my wife to be a spiritual godly wife, so therefore I need to be careful what I say and what I do, because the the last person that I want to hurt or offend is not the people in this church. You're important to me, and I love y'all, but I don't love you like I love my wife. I love my children, but I don't love my children like I love my wife. Because see, I had my wife, the kids come, the kids go. But I still want my wife. And when we get to the top of the mountain, I don't want to be there alone. I want to have her with me. Because, see, we done gone through all these rough spots and all these bumps in the road and all these hardships and trials and so forth, and yet there have been many of them. And there were a trail of tears, but there's also been a lot of joy. But you want to look down the road and you want to be together. Because, see, there comes the time when, when you get 70 years old. Who in the world wants a 70-year-old man? Don't don't get stupid. Or a 70-year-old woman. Except the one that you ride with. Stay with. Love until death do us part. And love that woman like you should. And God will bless you for doing so. And yes, you might suffer a little bit. But the suffering, God says, he'll reward you when you get to heaven. It'll be worth it. And so I believe that it's um, an important thing. There's three little words that I'd like to just throw out at you. you see, these three words is, is explosion, tears. I'll cover those first. See, in every family, there usually boils under two kinds of wars. And one is the explosion, where everything is hollering and yelling and screaming at each other. Now, you tell me, if a man or a woman is hollering, yelling, and screaming at each other, are those the fruits of the spirit or the works of the flesh? Think it through. Is that spirit or flesh? That's flesh. That means that you're not being spirit-controlled. It means it's not of God. That means it's wrong. See, God didn't give us justification to become ugly and mean and unkind to our mate whatever the reasons the man is held responsible for the home whether we want it or not that's the role and you accepted it now live up to it be a man be a man fulfill your responsibility take your eyes off them young chicks running around and look at your wife and say have I been a good husband have I been a good husband have I been what my wife needed do I know how to meet the spiritual needs of my wife? Because, see, the one thing that I've wanted more than anything else in the world, and like I said, I may love all of y'all, and I want everybody to have a ministry, but I want my wife one day to stand before the Lord, and I want God to reward her. I want to see God say, Betty, coming up here. Let me show you what I got for you just for putting up with that guy. Look at this. <laughs> I want her to be so honored and so blessed you see I want her to have a ministry just like I want people to have ministries you see it's great when a man and a woman can work together for the Lord for the Lord's work and to know that your wife is supportive and helping you she is to be a help meet help to meet your desires that God has for you and your purpose and your goal but see when the man doesn't have anything What's the woman supposed to do when a man won't do what he's supposed to do? I'd like to take him out behind the woodshed and beat him half to death is what I like to do. Because life is too short. A woman should have a man that seeks to want to help his wife, to love his wife, to please his wife, so that she can enjoy life. When you look at your wife's face, that's a countenance. That'll tell you an awful lot about what's going on. And you want the best for her. And that's what the book says. I think that's what God wants us to do. You see, so there can be this explosion, and there's also the time that's the quiet, the silent. The silence is when you just don't even talk. That usually happens with people when they get older. When you're younger, you explode, but after a while you find out that doesn't get anywhere, so you just don't say nothing. And older folks get to where they don't even communicate anymore. And this is what drives them apart just as much as the other My wife and I, talk. we talk all the time. We work together in ministry all the time. I have tried to see through it that throughout the years, when we didn't have hardly anything at all, and all we had was a car at one point. We didn't have anything. My wife has never had to work. We do without. But I can't have her with a dream of her own, and then I've got mine. And then I enjoy, when I come home, to walk into that house, and my wife to say, honey... Why don't you come over here and sit in the lounge chair? Sit down here, honey. Let me go get you a hot cup of coffee, and I'll go fix something to eat. And, and here's the evening newspaper, and you can sit and read your newspaper. Ah, isn't that wonderful? Mm. Or you can come home, and you both been working all day. You come home, and you're tired. You're irritable, and you walk into the house. Ah! Honey, would you get me a cup of coffee? Get it yourself. I worked this as hard as you have all day long. What are we having to eat? I have no clue. Why don't you fix it once in a while? It's your turn. (laughs) Listen, you can go through that and love all that if you want to, but I don't think that's the way God designed it. I would rather do without and make sure I, I protect my wife. She does only what she really wants to do with my approval, and she can do as much as she wants. But she does what pleases her husband, and it's worked for 51 years. And I know with the economy the way it is today, sometimes people say, well, we both have to work to make the bill. All right. You overextended yourself years ago. Now you're stuck. But be patient with each other. Be kind still to each other. If you have to do a little, oh, God bless you, God bless you, I'll do this, you'll do this. Okay. That, that's fine. And to be sweet and loving, forgiving, compassionate. Don't you think God would be pleased with that? Or do you think that being mean and ugly and unkind is the will of God? If you were like that before, and you leave that man because of that, and then you marry another guy, you'll do it all over again. See, it's inside of you, it's the way you are. Do right, serve the Lord. You see, the other emotion between the silence and the explosion is that one that's kind of like right in the middle. The weaker vessel... The tears, you see generally at the beginning of a marriage when a woman gets hurt, she cries easily because she's tender. God made her like that. But you see when the tears don't cause you to soften and to be flexible, then down the road those tears and that quiet spirit which she's supposed to have will turn into a defense and she's going to rebel you will only take it for so long and the meanness, the ugliness that comes from that skunk to defend itself you might look in the mirror and realize I did that, I did that to my wife, I was wrong I believe a lot of times men need to apologize to their wives for the way they treat them and get it corrected and be a godly man, a loving man God will honor you for doing that I have no clue if I help anybody. I'll say what's on my heart. You can do with it whatever you want. But I try to help people. I'm trying to help you. You say, well, I didn't need that this morning. You might need it tomorrow. I had some people tell me, I should have heard that 20 years ago. Does sin represent you and me? Well, it represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all done things wrong. But God loves us. And God says you cannot save yourself. You cannot earn or work your way to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us so much. Our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ who had no sin didn't have to die. He took ours, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said if you and I would believe He did it for us, He would put this payment He made to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why don't you just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't understand it all, but I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and I will trust him as my Savior. And, friend, if you'll do that, God said he would save you, give eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. I pray that you will. Or if you're watching by Internet, just right where you are. God knows who you are. Just be honest. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Friend, we all are. Christ died for you. Pay for everything we've ever done. There's no perfect individuals here. There's no perfect marriages We all struggle. There's a lot of ups and downs. We often offend each other. The Lord says offenses will come. We hurt one another. We say things we shouldn't say. We're cutting sometimes. We say hurtful things. Sometimes by our actions or by our looks. And sometimes we just say it doesn't really matter. And we don't know what is going on in the lives of the ones that we promised to love. We committed ourselves. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each person here. I pray, Lord, your will to be done. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord, and you say, yes, I will, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all? If you never trust the Lord, would you do it right now? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you know you're God's child. How's things going between you and your wife? Maybe this message was for somebody in particular. I don't know. When's the last time you told your husband you really loved him? Or told your wife you loved her? When's the last time you really embraced and said, Honey, I'm I'm sorry for what I've done or what I said? Father, thank you for this time together and for your word. And we ask, Lord, your blessings upon the service. For each thing that each person has heard and how the Holy Spirit will take it and drive it into their hearts and minds. We ask your blessings upon the service tonight. And Lord, I thank you for this church, these good people. In Christ's name, amen.